0: Men must be free to do what they believe. It is not our right to punish one for thinking what they do, no matter how much we disagree. Altair ibn La'ahad, 1191. Hello, I'm Andrew, and I want to welcome you to Visions of the Past, a podcast all about the lore of Assassin's Creed. This is episode 79, and today we're going to revisit our very first podcast and talk about the first assassin that we ever met, Altaïr Ibn Ahad. Altaïr has been in a number of games, including the game that started the series Assassin's Creed, but also he starred in the PSP game Assassin's Creed Bloodlines, the Nintendo DS game Assassin's Creed Altaïr's Chronicles, he had a cameo in Assassin's Creed 2, and a small part in Assassin's Creed Revelations. In the books, He was in Assassin's Creed, The Secret Crusade by Oliver Bowden, and he had a storyline in the Assassin's Creed Reflections comic. Before we get into talking about what Altair did in his life, we need to first talk about his real-world stats. Altair's facial likeness is modeled from Francisco Randez and is voiced by Philip Sabaz in Assassin's Creed and Cass Anvar in Assassin's Creed Revelations. The change, of course, is explained in-universe with Altaïr's voice coming from the Animus 1.28 in Assassin's Creed, and the memory seals that was viewed through the Animus 2.03 in Assassin's Creed Revelations. According to the Assassin's Creed game manual, Altaïr is 6 feet tall and weighs 170 pounds. The name, Altaïr ibn l'Ahad, is an interesting one. Altaïr actually is the brightest star in the constellation Aquila. The star's name is an abbreviation of the Arabic phrase, and forgive me for this pronunciation, An-Nasar al Tair, which means the flying eagle. Ibn la'ahad is Arabic for son of no one. And what is interesting about this is that in Assassin's Creed Revelations, there's a memory called Mentor's Keeper. And in this memory, al introduced himself as Al-Ta'er, son of Umar. Which would have been translated into Arabic as Altair ibn Umar. Now let's take a look at the life of Altair. Born on January 11, 1165, to Maud and Umar ibn l-Ahad in Masayef, Maud ended up dying in childbirth, but Umar would survive until the first siege of Masayef in August 1176. Umar's death came as retribution for killing a nobleman during his escape after giving Saladin a warning. Saladin would find that Ahmed Sofan, an assassin spy within his camp, and publicly threatened Ahmed, and Umar ended up taking responsibility for killing the nobleman, which resulted in his death. By the end of August, Ahmed would feel so much guilt for the death of Umar that he ended up infiltrating Altair's personal quarters, apologizing to him for his weakness, and then he committed suicide with a dagger. Altair immediately ran to Al-Mualim and told him what had happened. He ended up instructing Altair to tell no one, especially Ahmed's son Abbas, to spare him the shame of his father's death. Altair and Abbas then started training together as assassins under Al-Mualim with combat under Master Labib. After noticing Abbas's continued grief over the loss of his father, Altair ended up telling him the truth in an attempt to console him. But Abbas, he later showed his hatred and disdain for Altair after a sparring session by trying to kill him. He believed Altair said this just to shame him, and both ended up spending a month in confinement, though Al-Mu'alim did end up feeling that Abbas's offense was greater and forced him to train for another year before allowing him to reach the rank of assassin. In 1189, Altair ended up leading the defense of Masaev against the Knights Templar, leading to the death of the assassin-turned-Templar Haras. During this defense, he would save al life, for which al ended up granting him the rank of master. And after hearing of this, Abbas would spit at his feet, which Altair ended up sneering at in his first true display of an arrogance that would define his mid-twenties. In 1190, Altair ended up discovering that the citadel of Alep, historically the citadel of Aleppo, was under attack by the Templar lord Basilisk. This ended up leading him to conduct a search for an artifact known as the chalice. This search ended up leading him through the cities of Damascus, Jerusalem, Teir, and Acre. Eventually, Altaïr found out that the chalice was actually a woman by the name of Ada. His hunt for her resulted in the deaths of multiple Templars, including the Basilisk and the Keeper of the Assassins, Harash, who was a secret Templar spy. After the death of Basilisk, it would take months for Altaïr to find Ada, but she was already dead. Heartbroken, he would hunt down all responsible for her death, though it would not bring Altair solace. Once he returned to the assassins, he started to feel bitter toward the creed, stemming from his failure to lead a normal life with Ada. His bitterness really showed itself in either June or July of 1191, when Altair was sent to retrieve the Templar's treasure from Solomon's temple. His failure here to follow the creed led to being thrown from the room by Robert Asab. And when giving his report to Al-Mu'alim, one of his companions, Malik Asayef, entered the room and informed them that Altair's failure to abide by the creed resulted into the death of Malik's brother Kadar, but Malik was able to complete the mission, though Robert's Templar force followed him to Masayef. This led directly into The defense of Masaaf, during which Altair showed no fear by performing a leap of faith from the guard tower into a pile of hay. The goal here was to have the crusader army think that the three just jumped to their death, though one of the three who did jump broke his leg. Altair went on to spring a trap from another tower, crushing most of the vanguard under a large pile of logs. Directly following this battle, Altaïr was forced to sleep the sleep of the dead after he was publicly shown his failure with the tenets of the creed, after which he woke from this and he would be demoted to novice and sent on his task to hunt the Nine. The hunt for the Nine took place from July to September 1191. During this time, Altaïr learned more of the Knights Templar and their treasure the quote unquote, Apple of Eden. He also assassinated notable Templars, Tamir, Garnier de Neplus, Talal, Abu Nukud, William of Montferrat, Majdadin, Sabrand, and Jubayr al Hakim. During this time, Altair's personality also changed to one that cared more for the order than for himself and was humble when talking about his abilities. The hunt for the Nine ended on September 7, 1191, at the Battle of Arsuf, after Altaïr chased the Grand Master of the Templar Order, Robert de Saab, from Jerusalem to the battleground of Arsuf, where King Richard and his crusaders ended up routing Saladin and his forces. After an argument between Altaïr and Robert about which of the two was King Richard's enemy, the king said that he would leave it to God to decide and ordered a trial by combat. Altair defeated Robert in combat, but after the duel, Robert ended up telling Altair that Al-Mu'alim was secretly a Templar, and that now that the Nine were dead, Altair would be his next target. Immediately after this revelation, Altair rode from Asayaf, where he would find that Al-Mu'alim had used the Apple of Eden to control the minds of the assassins in the city. With help of reinforcements led by Malik, Altair took control of the city in mostly non-lethal fashion. Once he made it to Al-Mualim, they ended up having a duel. And this was where Al-Mualim would attempt to use the apple to control and confuse Altair. Altair was able to see through the tricks, and he ended up beating Al-Mualim. But after killing Al-Mualim, Altair went against assassin tradition and burnt his body to make sure that his death was not a trick caused by the apple. Immediately following the burning of al body, Abbas would steal the apple, thinking that Altair led a coup against Al-Mu'alim. And taking the apple to a nearby tower, Abbas was unable to control it, leading Altair to need to climb the tower and to take back the apple, while Abbas begged for forgiveness. Altair stayed true to the creed during this time, and after convincing everyone of al betrayal, he was named the new mentor, or the leader, of the Levantine assassins. Shortly after his rise to mentor, Altaïr started writing his codex. During this time, he would redesign the hidden blade to not require the removal of the ring finger, and allow it to disperse poison, believing that these things would help the assassins better protect the people than ever before. In October of 1191, Altaïr found out that the Templars were now under the lead of Armand Bouchardt, and that they had fled to Cyprus. Over the next two years, he hunted Bouchard alongside Maria Thorpe, Robert de Sabe's disgraced squire, eventually leading to the death of Bouchard himself. After the mission to Cyprus, Altair fell in love with Maria Thorpe, and he ended up marrying her in 1195 in limassol and later that year, she gave birth to their son, Derim, and two years later, in 1197, a second son, They named Seth, both of which were born in Masaev. After the birth of his sons, Altair promoted the assassin order by traveling throughout the Middle East, and while most of his trip was a success, there was one issue in 1204 when he went to the city of Constantinople. Here, he found that the city was besieged by crusaders and returned to Masaev in utter disappointment. After this, though, He returned to using the apple in what he called short doses with a focused mind. The knowledge that he learned from the apple allowed him to build his armor out of a lighter but stronger metal, the formula of which he later erased from history to prevent it from falling into the wrong hands. Then he used this knowledge to redesign the hidden blade again, this time so it could fire small projectiles. Sometime between his rise as mentor to the second redesign of the Hidden Blade, he also allowed for the members of the Brotherhood to express love for their children, with the belief that love would lead them to be more likely to make the right sacrifices for the right causes. In 1217, the Assassin's expansion was halted by Genghis Khan's rapid expansion of the Mongol Empire. Altair believed that the Mongol expansion was because of an artifact like his Apple of Eden, this belief led Altair to lead Maria and Durim on a mission to assassinate the Khan. On their departure, Altair left Seph to take care of his wife and two daughters, and he ended up leaving the Brotherhood to Malik as a temporary mentor. On August 18, 1227, they found the city of Xingping under siege by the Mongols. Durim set up at a vantage point and watched over Altair's approach and escape route. Altair failed in his assassination of Genghis Khan and was injured by a guard. Quillain Gaul, who had joined them before reaching Zengping, helped Altair back to Durim, and Quillain and Durim ended up completing Altair's mission. In 1228, Altair and his family returned to Masaev to find that Malik was thrown into prison with the assassin's brotherhood, now being led by a council that had Abbas, as its head. Told that Seth had taken his family to Alamut, but not trusting the situation, Durim traveled to Alamut in search of Seth. The day after their return, Altair and Maria found out that Seth was actually dead, and that it was Malik who performed the act. Altair demanded that the Brotherhood be returned to him based on the status of the Brotherhood. Abbas, though, he denied this demand while being backed by a weak-minded council. Altair and Maria returned to their residence and mourned their son. Altair, though, broke Malik out of the dungeons, finding him malnourished and unkempt. Malik informed Altair and Maria that Seph had been murdered two years prior in 1226, and that it was on Abbas's order and that he was framed for it. On September 12, 1228, Altair and Maria confronted Abbas about the information they got from Malik, Swami. A follower of Abbas's gave Abbas a burlak sack that Abbas ended up giving to Altair, showing that it contained Malik's head. After a heated exchange, Abbas demanded that the apple was given to him for information on Seth's death. Altair agreed, and as Swami went to retrieve it, told Altair that just before he killed Seth, Swami told him that Altair had ordered his execution. Infuriated with this information, Altair used the apple to force Swami to injure himself, and when Maria tried to intervene, Swami ended up killing her, causing Altair to use his hidden blade to kill Swami. Altair then fled Masayef with Darim, who had just returned from Alamut. For the next several years, Altair spent his time grieving the loss of his wife Maria and studying the apple. In his grief, he forced away Seth's wife and children, who would end up settling in Alexandria, Egypt. And when Durim could no longer handle the state of Altair's depression and his obsession with the apple, he spent his time headed to France and England, warning them of the emerging Mongol threats. While studying the apple, Altair designed new tactics and medicine and discovered that Alamut was built on the remnants of an old Isu temple. At this temple, he found the memory seals that he imprinted his most significant genetic memories to. And in 1247, Altair would finally leave Alamut and head back to Masayef, saving a merchant on the way. This merchant took Altair to his home, where the merchant's wife and daughter tended to Altair's wounds that he had gained by saving the merchant. After healing, the merchant told Altair the state of the assassins, who no longer protected the village, but heavily taxed and abused the people. After hearing about this, Altair set an example by living the true ways of the Brotherhood, moderating arguments, presenting new designs to tradesmen, and treating the sick. Eventually, he traveled across the village and noticed that he was being followed, and once secluded, found out that it was Malik's son Tazim al-Sayef, after Altaïr told Tazim about his plan to return their assassins to former glory, Tazim rallied other assassins that remained loyal to the old ways. These men worked their way to the castle without killing anyone, per Altaïr's orders. The castle was opened by surrendering assassins, and Altaïr would come face to face with Abbas, who ordered his men to attack. But Altaïr, he killed Abbas with a hidden gun, and the display of this caused Abbas's men to surrender. After the death of Abbas and regaining the title of mentor, Altaïr would start construction on a library under Masaev. Here, he eventually stored thousands of books that contained the knowledge he gained from the apple, and he used the memory seals he found in Alamut as the keys to the library. In the early months of 1257, Altair documented his life to Niccolo Polo before sending his codex and the library keys out of Masaev with Niccolo and Maffeo Polo. At the same time, Altair began to disperse the assassins to build guilds in new countries, saying that the city must be empty when the Mongols arrived. On August 12, 1257, after helping the Polos leave Masaev during the Mongol siege, Altair headed to the library with Durim. It would be here that Altair told Durim that the library was meant to hide the apple. As Durim left, Altair took the Apple of Eden deep within the library and placed, it in a se- and placed it in a safe, locking it away with a sixth memory seal. After doing this, Altair took a seat in the middle of the library and silently passed away at the age of ninety-two. Altair's place within history is undeniable. He rebuilt the Order more than once, modified the Hidden Blade more than once, and even developed new assassination techniques. But he would not have been able to rebuild without first learning the true meaning of the Creed, its tenets, and even its ironies. Even in the twilight of his years, he wanted to make sure that the Assassins could survive throughout the ages. There is one thing I do want to bring up mentioning the twilight of his years. Altair lived to the age of 92, and in the beginnings of the 13th century, it's not recorded to like happen to anyone. So when you look at his life and you see how much time he spent with the apple, you can't deny, at least I can't deny, that this extension of life is because of his time with the apple. While I can't deny his place within the lore, I always have had an issue as playing as Altair. The biggest problem of which is that he couldn't swim. And I understand the storyline that it was because of limitations of the Animus, but it always seemed to make things much more difficult than they needed to be. The same goes for the speed in which he climbed. and uh, The speed was so slow that it made climbing to escape a battle almost impossible as you would constantly be getting hit by rocks or by arrows. But, what do you think about Altair? Let me know on Twitter at visions underscore AC. And thank you for joining me today. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. If you love stories about Assassin's Creed lore, please follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform, and tell your friends about this podcast. If you have any questions about Assassin's Creed or topics you'd like me to cover, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Visions underscore AC, and you can find those links in the show notes below. Until next time, my assassin friends, make sure to follow the Creed, and to those Templars listening, may the Father of Understanding guide you.